Welcome to Women in Electronics, the only show that empowers, develops, advocates, and celebrates the accomplishments and advancement of women in the electronics industry. With your host, Jackie Maddox. Well, here we are again today with another episode of Women Electronics Leader in Highlight Radio Program. Oh, I'm so excited to be here today with our guest, Debbie Conyers, who is one of our founding advisory board members and has been a part of ECIA for quite some time. Debbie, thank you so much for being here today. It is my pleasure, although you know that I don't like being the center of attention, but I do like to talk about the industry and ECIA, so... Great. Well, I know it took me a while, Debbie, to get you. So (laughs) I'm excited that you're here. Let me just turn it over to you to explain what has your role been at ECIA? So I was hired back in 2001 um, to take on a marketing campaign uh, to stress the importance of authorized distribution. I had actually been introduced to Robin Gray, uh, then it was NIDA, the National Electronic Distributors Association. I was introduced to Robin when he moved the association from Chicago to the Atlanta area. And I had um, moved to the Atlanta area from LA a few years before and was introduced by a really dear friend of mine, Rob Roden, who was an industry exec and um, also very involved in NIDA. So at that time in 2000, there wasn't really a fit. But when um, the marketing campaign came to be, Robin called me and it was, uh, I do have a marketing background. So that's when I jumped on board and they just couldn't get rid of me for the next 20 years. (laughs) I'm so glad that you stayed, Debbie. And you mentioned Nita. Let's go back to that because for some people listening, you know, that just shows kind of some history in the industry. Um, some people might not know what NIDA is. Um, do you want to explain that real quick and how this evolved? Sure. And NIDA was around for years and years. Um, and in 2011, there was a merger of NIDA and ECA, which was a manufacturing um, association. And we, at that time, we always had manufacturer members, but at that time, we also brought in rep members. So it really... We now have all three constituents as members of ECIA, but we've still continued the mission, which is, you know, to improve the business environment for the authorized sale of electronic components. So it's always been focused on the authorized, you know, sale. So only authorized distributors, um, of course, many manufacturers and reps now. Awesome. And ECIA has done a great job um, accomplishing that. But we also have, you know, other industry associations. So if we look at, um, say, ERA, people hear these terms, you know, especially our young people coming into the industry, they hear, you know, ECIA, ERA. What is the difference between you and the ERA for those listening who really don't know much about our associations? So I'd say that ECIA, which stands for the Electronic Components Industry Association, focuses on a on the broad industry uh, issues that can be tackled when the three constituents work together to affect change in, you know, whether it's business processes or technical standards for components or, you know, bringing industry stats to the forefront. That's what ECIA focuses on. 
I, I'm not really intimately involved in ERA. I know ERA also has members that are reps, distributors, and manufacturers. In my mind, it, it they uh, focus on rep-centric issues, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, understandable. And they put on, you know, also they put on industry meetings, much like ECIA does, but they focus more on, I'd say, the education for reps versus general industry education. I could be Very wrong. good. Okay. Well, that actually, that's kind of how I see it in my mind, too. So that it, it seems to make quite a bit of sense to me. But, you know, I want to ask you a question. So you have this perspective in the industry. It, it's actually kind of a bird's eye view of the industry because of working with different aspects of the channel. Um, you, you know, it's connecting a lot of people in various aspects of the channel. So what insights, you know, can you give to us? So Sir, we, we had this change of the industry. We've had change of circumstances. We've had change of so many things. And especially in the breadth of years you've been in the industry, so how do you see us now, Debbie, compared to say when you first came in? I know this is a really big question, but like, what would be your insights as to where have we come and, and kind of where do we need to keep going? I'd say overall, the industry hasn't changed in the fact that it's a very generous um, and open industry. I think uh, the fact that these industry leaders have worked together worked opposed to each other. Yeah, they're competitive. Um, there is a um, a generosity, both in spirit and in funding, that hasn't diminished. Um, in fact, you know, lately for ECIA projects, it's, ac- it's actually increased in terms of generosity. So that's a unique perspective, I find, um, that I didn't find in other industries that I've been in before. Um, so the people. It's really about the people, I would say. That's why I stayed for all these years. Um, the fact that there are trade associations that are bringing these uh, industry people together to work on the issues that are face, that they are facing um, has really been interesting to me. So as a, as a sideliner to all of that, it's been fascinating. And the, the issues keep changing. Right. So when when I was first hired to do a marketing campaign about authorized distribution, a we weren't even calling it authorized then. It was all very it was franchised. And I know that term is still out there, but we really focused on calling it authorized because it was an authorization from the manufacturer to the distributor. So now, um, you know, down the road, we're not as faced with the dot com fear that we had back in 2000, 2001. Now it's what are all these other issues that are facing the industry? You know, certainly this year we've heard supply chain, you know, <laughs> over mm-hmm. and over again. And fascinating to see how people, uh, the our members on our councils and boards and committees are working to really research those issues mm-hmm. and come up with some solutions for some things that have been around for as long as I've been around, you know, design registration, educating the next generation, those types of things. That's awesome. And I agree with you a hundred percent. That's right. Why I stayed in the industry is it's such a relationship industry. 
And we have amazing people. I, I really do think, and I agree with you about the generosity. Um, I think it's a, just a lovely um, industry. Um, so with that, though, there's some specific things that you have cared about and been passionate about within ECIA. One of the things uh, to make note of is the first robotics. Um, ECIA has come alongside of this um, with women electronics. We see this as a very viable and a great effort, too, for our industry. So if you want to just maybe explain that real quick, because I know that that's something you've been very passionate about. I am. And I think yeah, my degree is actually in education, but I, I never really used it in a teaching environment. So the appeal of FIRST was in educating young people as to what this industry is. I mean, it took me many years of being around someone who was a leader in the industry. I had no clue what he did and what this industry was all about. So the fact that I can go to a FIRST robotics um, competition uh, I, I was representing ECIA and sat at a booth and was giving away different swag items from our members. And these teenagers were coming up and totally got what we did, right? So, you know, it's it's an opportunity that any company, whether you're large or small, can find a team through FIRST um, in your area. And it doesn't take a lot of financial support, you know, not big dollars. Of course, if you've got big dollars, you can do that too. They'll take it. But really on a regional or local level, you can affect change. Mm -hmm. So a company can look up on the first website and find a team that's right in your zip code and take that on as a challenge. You know, they may need some parts. They may need, you know, 50 bucks for whatever. They may need um, help in creating uh, a building space. Uh, you know, so it, there's a number of levels of involvement. And on a national scale, or actually international scale, because FIRST Robotics, which is the high school level, has over 3,700 teams across the globe. So they're making STEM education fun. These teams are actually like mini businesses. So these students are learning so much. It's not just about how to build a robot and how to make a robot do a certain activity. It is business marketing. It is fundraising. It is community outreach. So all of those um, are all qualities that every company I've come in contact with are looking for, right? They, they want people moving into their ranks that have that awareness of what it takes. So I see it as a huge opportunity that our industry should tap into. Here's a ready-made sort of plug-and-play solution to get involved with your future customers in these students um, and actually your current customers. You know, with sponsors uh, like NASA and Boeing and Qualcomm, you know, show up at a regional event and you've got your local uh, people right there, your customers. And by and large, these students' parents are also involved in different aspects of electronics or tech industry. So it's a wealth of uh, information and contacts that you can tap into. That's awesome. Well, you could see how your education background, you have a heart for that. So you're bringing yes. that to this component. And 
I love, we've had conversations about first robotics and definitely we agree that as an industry, that's something we should get behind. Um, but also let's just talk real quick about uh, the training program too, because I know that you were part of that. Again, it's your part of an educator that has brought so much to the table at ECIA. So can you explain the foundation as well? Sure. So the ECIA has a foundation uniquely called the ECIA Foundation. <laughs> um, we've been, I'd say, working behind the scenes for years. We have brought college kids to EDS and the Executive Conference. We've worked, that's the arm of the of ECIA that works with FIRST Robotics to support teams and also to uh, do, get our members to donate uh, parts to FIRST to uh, offset some costs. We've worked with hiring our heroes for years. And um, our current president, Jim Kaplan, really uh, pushed this initiative to get industry training into the hands of all of our member companies. It's not technical training. It is training that would be appropriate for someone being hired as a salesperson or in accounting or in marketing so that they have a general understanding of what we're doing. So um, we got a committee of uh, a variety of uh, members, of ECIA members. We got a committee that assembled this year to map out the courses. So we've got five courses that, fingers crossed, will be available by the end of the year um, that tackle an overview of how the industry works together uh, just a, a brief description of different components, um, you know, uh, terms and uh, definitions, all the acronyms that we use, right? They, you know, and they mean different things to different constituents. So these are the types of courses that will be available. And I'm uh, happy to say that we are, we have set a goal to raise $500,000 to make this a true ECIA member benefit, meaning we won't need to charge any of our members for any of their hire or any of their employees to take these courses. And we are uh, within $50,000 of reaching that goal. And again, it goes back to the generosity of the companies involved in this industry. Um, I think Jim had a brainstorm back. You know, we, we started this back in January and sadly we lost Paul Andrews mm. in it was February. Um, and Jim said why he got together with other manufacturers, uh, TTI suppliers that Paul had, you know, been very generous with over the years and said, let's give back. And we we decided to call the um, industry training the PACE training program, which stands for Paul Andrews Continuous Education. So it was such a huge um, groundswell of support especially from that. Um, so we are, you know, grateful and are so excited to bring this educational opportunity to the industry. Very mm -hmm. exciting. I've been around for what, 20 years. And this has been a topic of conversation at probably every board meeting I've attended. Wow, Debbie. So that's a yeah. major accomplishment. Thank you for you know, writing that out, I, I know that that was something that was really on your heart to do. And, and again, circling back around your heart of an educator, your original training came into play um, at ECIA to helping with 
several things going on. And, and we're getting to be time, but I'm just going to ask one more question. Um, so you also, one of the things that you've been involved with as well is women electronics. Um, and, and so I thank you for that, uh, being somebody foundational in the ECIA, um, organization, but also being a part of women electronics. And if you could just describe real quick, why was that important to you? It was really important and such an eye-opening revelation of the number of women that were involved. You know, I've, I've been going to board meetings for 20 years, which are primarily men. Um, I have to say over the years, there are two, two women stand out. Carla Mart and Diane Sweeney were, were forceful and didn't necessarily bring the women's perspective. But they just tackle things differently, right? So to sit back and watch that transpire was really terrific. And as much as I was out in the industry, I was always working. So I didn't have a chance to make those relationships like you and I now have and a number of other we um, women. So it was really exciting to be able to have that opportunity to attend that first meeting and walk in and see all these women and to be able to tackle issues that I had thought about but didn't really maybe have the courage to bring up as I was sitting at the table. And I have to say that I'm so proud of the progress that that we and, and you in particular have made. It's been remarkable considering it's only been a few years. Who would have thought? And again, the generosity of the sponsors, <clears throat> the level and the quality of people involved has been fabulous. And I just think it takes it takes it to the next step. It, it sets the table for many more women to join forces and, uh, you know, really make a change in what's happening out there. It's well, just Debbie. a different perspective, right? We work differently. Yes, men and women work differently, but the magic is us together. And so that's the whole mission of, of we, and you've worked so well with your male colleagues and us as well. Everybody is part of Women Electronics. So appreciate that you've been here. I want to talk to you further. And I'm, I'm so sad we're out of time, Debbie, but you've had a remarkable career. Um, we're Thank sad you. and happy for you. <laughs> and then also look forward to, uh, you know, your, your successor that we will be interviewing here, uh, Stephanie Tierney shortly. So anyway, thank you, Debbie, for being here. Thank you for all you have done for the industry. Truly. It's been my pleasure. I've gotten so much more back from it. Thank mm. you. Thank you. You've been listening to another episode of Women in Electronics right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.